0: Hey, this is Kids A to Z with Dr. T. I am your host, Teresa Signorelli, and we are here for a Brains in Toyland episode talking about muscle and sensory development in, in infants um, through preschool years. And I have Karen Katzman, who is an occupational therapist, who's going to talk to us about uh, muscle and sensory development or motor and sensory development. And uh, so, Karen, are you there?
1: I'm here.
0: Oh, great. Very so happy to be here. <laughs> okay, super. So I mentioned, Karen, that you are an occupational therapist. And um, can you tell us about that? So really tell us who you are and, and what you do.
1: Yes. Uh, my name is Karen Katzen. I'm a pediatric occupational therapist. I've been working in the field of OT with adults and children for over 20 years. And I, along with my business partner, Elise Stern, we have a private pediatric OT practice on the Upper East Side called Manhattan East Associates Pediatric Occupational Therapy, and we opened our practice about 15 years ago. Um,
0: as pediatric- okay, so I'm going to jump in there. Yes. Oh, Karen, I'm going to okay. jump in there for one second because um, okay. so you guys are based in Manhattan in New York, and I just wanted a little um, um, disclosure or full disclosure and let everyone know that I selected Karen or asked her to be a guest because she and I had worked together years and years ago, right before she started her practice, we were working in a therapeutic preschool in the East Village in New York City called the Village Child Development Center. And um, Karen, I was just always so impressed with your knowledge and I was always so happy to be able to work with you and co-treat and I learned so much from you. So um, I just wanted to put that out there and say thank you and let everybody know how much information you personally have an occupational therapy or occupational therapists have that they can share with everyone in the public so that kids can develop um, and reach their full potentials. So, oh, thank um, you so much. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. So, so tell us a little bit about um, who occupational therapists work with, what, what types of people or what, what types of trouble do they help?
1: Right. Well, so as pediatric OTs, we work with children who have developmental disabilities, um, and that can range from fine motor difficulties, gross motor difficulties that get in the way of function, because physical therapists will also work in the gross motor arena, but we're really concerned about how those gross motor difficulties affect functional development in all age levels of children. We look at sensory problems.
0: Go ahead. So you, you'd mentioned fine motor and gross motor. Can you tell us what that is a little bit more?
1: Yeah, so fine motor difficulties would be um difficulties with the the fine motor development of the hands and the mouth or graphomotor, so writing and tool use, scissor use, um, building, doing things with our hands, feeding ourselves, anything you could do with your hands, putting your clothes on, all of your activities of daily living. Um, okay,
0: so those those smaller muscle movements, those thinner, yes, more then, controlled and well muscle eating, movements? Ex- exactly. And okay. then
1: we also, in terms of... of um, the mouth,
0: so it's gross or, motor you'd mention.
1: Yes, and then in terms of the gross motor difficulties or of, with function, would be more of. Balance, being able to move throughout the environment in order to get somewhere. So we're looking at more functionally, less than just working on a muscle group per se. We're looking to get you somewhere um, as an OT. Although, you know, development is development. So when you work on one area of development, you're truly working on the functional implication, obviously, getting where you of need the to go.
0: Whole, of the whole system or the whole body, the whole time. Exactly. Child.
1: Right, okay. right. Um, And we also work on sensory processing and modulation difficulties, When we talk about sensory processing. We talk about how children um, deal within their sensory environments, so taste, touch, smell, hearing, uh, vision, as well as their internal sensory environments, which is like our sense of where we are in space and our movement and our balance sense. So we look at those two areas and how they are also helping a child to function. We also look at visual perceptual difficulties
0: in terms
1: of putting puzzles together, writing, graphomotor as well. Um, And so by graphomotor,
0: can you tell us what you mean by that?
1: Uh, Writing, um, being able to form letters and numbers, uh, being able to copy from the board, uh, being able to like have near far vision, and we train that along with visual therapists. So we help again with their when there is a functional implication of what might be going on in school, being able to copy mm-hmm. over the board, etc. And then we also look at uh, social emotional difficulties that might get in the way of function. So how children react within their environments how they react with their peers, so that they can be successful in the community, being able to socialize and be emotionally intact so that they can have a good experience within the
0: community. Okay, great. So um, why I like having clinical people like occupational therapists is because even though your primary responsibility is to rehabilitate or rehabilitate, function, function, and children and adults, you're really experts about the development of these areas. Is that correct?
1: Yes, that's correct. So yeah. we've had oh, yeah, many, many years of schooling. And then in addition to that, um, we, in order to keep our licenses, we have to go to continuing education courses every year um, and, and keep learning. And so when there, if there's anything maybe that's new out there or a new modality or something new to learn, we have to be up on that. So Absolutely.
0: Okay, so you're experts in these areas and your charge is really to help people, as you had mentioned earlier, be functional. So you really know how to set people up for success, how to foster development, how to foster change and growth. Exactly. Okay, great. Um, so um, you had mentioned things about um, the fine and gross motor or those fine or smaller muscle and larger muscle movements. What can you tell us more about um, muscle development?
1: Okay. So motor development are skills that a child acquires starting in utero, so right when, they're, when they start developing as a fetus in utero. And those, develop, those developmental skills mature throughout early childhood and beyond that what, and they are necessary for any kind of learning or taking part in all of our activities of daily living. And when we talk about, again, about activities of daily living, it's from getting up in the morning, brushing our teeth, as well as learning, going to a job, everything we need to do every day in order to be successful and functional. Uh, when we talk about fine motor skills, those are the small muscle movements of the hands and mouth like we talked about before. And then growth is more of the larger muscle skills of the arms, the legs, and your core, so your stomach and your back muscles. Okay, so
0: so just to go over some of those fine motor and small muscle movements again, those would be, especially thinking about the little ones, little children, like picking up Cheerios or holding a spoon, Mm -hmm. right? Those kinds of things we're looking at. Um, Exactly. And in terms of those gross motor, what are some of the gross motor um, functions um, that we'd see? Okay,
1: so from... You know, when children are young, just being able to be mobile, so sitting up on their own, um, crawling, getting from one place to another, so then we're walking, we're standing, we have balance, Um, moving both sides of the body, catching a ball, throwing a ball, um, being able to have both sides of the body working simultaneously to do what we need to do. So it's almost like multitasking of the body is your gross motor skills everything you need to do kind of going off a a core, and those are Mm -hmm. all of the skills. And developmentally, we are meant to start in one area, which is laying and then on our stomachs, and then where developmentally we are rolling, and then we're sitting up, and then we're crawling. So there's the developmental milestones that have to happen in order for us to be successful later. In, so in a our, particular
0: progression, a particular progression yes. of activities that we should be seeing as, as children grow. Exactly. Okay. okay. Um, I often hear, hear about uh, muscle strength that children being, and I also hear about muscle tone, but can you talk to our audience about those kinds of things?
1: Sure. So when we look at tone versus strength, we're really looking at how the body um, withstands gravity while at rest. So children with a lower tone, what you might see is they are falling out of their chairs, they may trip easily, um, they may be in that W-sitting posture, and they may be what we call a little bit more hypermobile at the joints, which means that they, when they are trying to be stable, when they're putting their legs or their arms down and with stability, that they're what we call hyperextending at their joints. Um,
0: Like like their hands are going back further than we might expect?
1: Yes, and you may see instead of a slight bend in the arm, you see a huge extension, almost like a double-jointed look. It doesn't look comfortable, but for them, they don't don't know the difference.
0: They don't know Um, the difference. Well, you had mentioned double sitting. Um, Is that part of it, and can you describe what that would look like to parents?
1: So a W sitting looks like a child's literally sitting, instead of that crisscross applesauce way that we sit um, with our one leg over the other, children will tend to sit with their both of their legs out in the back of them. It literally looks like a W when they're sitting, and that shows mm-hmm. that that hypermobility at their hip joint. And very often children with lower tone have decrease tone around their hips because it's usually seen, tone is the muscle tension that is around our joints. So very often the hypermobility you will see very obviously around the hip joint, around the elbow joint, shoulder joints. And when we have a lower tone situation That our muscles are not as taut and holding in our joints the way that they should this is going to affect our body awareness of knowing where our body is in space because it's going to take a lot more input into the body resistance for that child to get a good idea of where they're at whereas if you have a higher tone child they have a better understanding of where their body is in space most of the time because when you
0: say your body body in space can you give us um, what does that really mean okay What what would we see from a child who didn't know where his body was in space? Okay,
1: so for a child that has decreased body and space awareness, you may see their developmental milestones of crawling and sitting up when they're a little delayed, or you may see them walking a little bit delayed. You also, Mm -hmm. That same child, you might see what we call the quote-unquote clumsy child, the child that trips over air, nothing is in their way. They just don't have a good body percept. So they have not the best idea of where they're at. So they're tripping, they're falling out of their chairs because up against gravity, they're having a hard time keeping themselves upright. Again, it's not conscious. It's just something the body is doing. It's what we call a uh, subcortical, not something that children can help. It's just something that's happening because of their tone or their body perception is not what it should be.
0: Okay, so might that child also walk into and bump into furniture? Yes. Um, yes. And they maybe may be walk.
1: Carrying... Mm-hmm. Yes, ahead. they may be carrying something and, and drop it. And then when they get to who they were supposed to give that item to, it's not in their hands. They didn't even realize it.
0: So. Oh, okay. And in terms of maybe if they're walking through their room, might they walk over and through their toys instead of around them? They don't navigate yes. through? Yes, they may bump into things. So they don't have
1: a good idea of where their body begins and the external environment it begins. So and oh. they, they're exactly what you're describing. They may have a very poor, uh, poor ability to realize where they, where they end and something else begins. Those are the kids that may hang on their parents. They mm-hmm. may they give big hugs. They don't have the best gradation of movement. So they're giving big hugs. They're jumping into walls. And sometimes that may even feel good for them because it's giving them okay. the feedback that their body's not giving it themselves.
0: So you said gradation of movement and they give big hugs. Are they like hugging too much or what does that mean, gradation? They hug too
1: much because they're not realizing what their own, if they have too much strength, not enough strength, they may have weak hugs, too much bigger hugs. Um, They don't have the best idea of body awareness. So personal space is not something that they would necessarily know of very well because they'd be all, it actually might actually give their body better understanding when they're hanging on people and furniture because it gives Mm -hmm. that feedback that they're not getting from their own joints, skin, and
0: muscles. Okay. So that that pressure from another person, that that feeling on their skin, they can feel that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Great. So let's see. What can you tell us? Maybe we should talk about the different behaviors we would see at different ages in children. So what we would expect to see in our um, our babies, maybe around six months of age. What what would a parent um, what should, what should a parent be looking for to see if their child is on par um, and where they should yeah. be developmentally?
1: So, in a typical developing, say six month old, they should be, like I said before, able to roll from their back to their stomach and from their stomach to their back. So now they're getting a really good idea of their body and space by rolling the infants that are six months of age should be able to sit up unsupported so their core muscles are engaging. And you will see kids being able to do that and and play with the toys. So not only are they doing that, but they are now using their external hands able they're able to do fine motor skills and maybe at also at six months of age they'll be able to pick up a toy and transfer it from one side of their body to the other so it happens very young that they're having a good body perception and body awareness that that happens very very young so, so when this, you
0: don't this, see oh let me just jump yeah. in for a second and you yeah. said transfer from one side of the body to the other so they may be sitting and there's a doll on their right. They pick it up with their right hand and then cross their right hand across yes. their front and then put it in their left hand.
1: Yes, exactly. Is that what you
0: mean? Okay. Yes, something like mean. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great.
1: And, and, yeah, so they should be absolutely starting to really engage on their environment. Now, they're doing it younger than six months, but at six months is when you really see, like, some of that motor personality.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay, they, that it should be really well-formed at six months.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, they should be um, really starting to pick their head up even earlier. You know, their motor, the motor development should be happening very early on. They should, you know, kids, that's the whole point of development, from getting from one place to another and to finally getting to stand and really mastering your, your um, gross motor environment. So, But at six months of age is when, is when you should really be seeing these skills.
0: Okay. Okay. And then, um, so you had mentioned lifting their heads. About when should they be doing, having that fairly good head control? We see
1: children as early, lifting their heads, you know, just a couple of weeks sometimes after delivery. So Mm -hmm. that that really depends. Sometimes it is a reflex. But I would say that um, the, the most important thing of, you know, of making sure your children are sort of on par in development, as long as there are no neurological issues, is you know that might be pro- prohibiting that. Is to really be moving them around and having them on their stomachs, having them on their sides, really moving that baby around. A lot of a lot of parents will wear their children, and that's actually a really great thing to do, so that they're constantly getting motor experiences and their and that movement, which is really important.
0: Okay. And so what do you mean by wear their children?
1: Oh, they'll put them in like uh, slings on their body
0: Mm -hmm. um,
1: and they'll move with them, which is really important rather than just sort of, Leaving them sitting for hours on end—that would not be, okay. you know, the best, <laughs> the best thing to
0: do. <laughs> right, right. They need to be moving and engaging so exactly. development, these muscles develop, these different sensory perceptions develop. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. And then, what would we see um, in a child of around twelve months of age?
1: A child at around 12 months of age should have crawled and might now be pulling up to stand and maybe even walking on their own. Um, Mm -hmm. A toddler of 12 months of age should be feeding themselves finger foods with a pincer grasp. This is usually when the Cheerios come out. Obviously, they should be watched.
0: Okay. Can you Um, explain what a pincer grasp
1: looks like? Yeah. So... The the index finger and the thumb, they should be able to pick up things with their, pick up little items with an index finger and thumb. That's why you've got to be careful in terms of child-proofing. But things that Mm -hmm. they can eat, which you put on their tray, is totally fine. Um, A toddler of 12 months of age should be starting to even turn pages of a book, holding a straw cup, and starting to use a spoon. And they should be very um, inquisitive and exploratory and, and wanting to move and go. So that's, that this is where baby proofing is truly key.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you had mentioned the the crawling and the pulling up; those are those gross motor skills you had mentioned, and those yes. um, picking up with the pincer grasp and holding a spoon; those are those fine motor. Exactly. Moves. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. Yes, and baby proofing, of course, because now they're really starting to explore their. <laughs> yes. Right. We need to be a good step ahead of them, at least probably. Mm-hmm. All righty, So what would we then expect in a child of around two years of age?
1: A child of two years um, should be able to walk alone and not only walk alone but have good balance. So they should be able to pull a toy behind them when they're walking. Um, they should be able to run. They, they should be able to walk down the stairs while holding on. They're climbing on furniture. This is when you're telling them, be careful. You're going to hurt yourself. Come off of mm-hmm. the furniture. Stop jumping on the furniture. So they're really all over the place. Um they should be able to scribble spontaneously. So now they're really using those fine motor movements and they're scribbling and they should be able to uh, turn over contents in containers and pour. So now they're really using their hands very functionally, um, going from what we call supination from uh, if your palm is up, so your palm is down. So now they're really using their arms, as I said, functionally and using them all their different movements. They should also pretty much start to establish hand dominance, where they're using one hand more than the other. This is usually when you know if you've got a righty or a lefty. Mm-hmm. And um, and, you, and they could still be switching, but for the most part, their dominance is pretty down at two.
0: Okay. So I, just, I have some questions. You had mentioned them walking down the stairs and holding on. That would be either to the banister or somebody's hand. Yes. Exactly. And when there's um, as an adult, we put one foot on each step, and sometimes children will put both foot both feet on a step, and then both feet on the next yes. step. Um, Yes. What what should a two-year-old look like when they're walking? A a two-year-old could
1: be still doing a step two type of a situation where they put one foot on the step and then the other one follows and right to that foot, rather than alternating. Alternating would be a little bit um, when they're a little bit older and when they no longer have to hold on. So you're looking more of an alternation. You'd see more between three and four years of age, but a step two they should be able to do.
0: Okay, so that alternation where they're putting only one foot on a step at a time okay exactly and great so as they as uh, they are better maybe coordination and balance, they are able to do that
1: Mm-hmm.
0: yes okay. exactly so okay. as,
1: their, as they are as they as their development increases, then they are able to have more functional specificity so what you want to see is um, their anything that they're doing becomes more advanced as they do it for a while and that's that's development
0: okay great yeah becoming more functional and being able to do things in a useful and purposeful way exactly more specific Mm -hmm. great so let's talk a little bit about kids who are three years of age what would we want to see them doing
1: Okay, so a a child who's three years old should be able to – now they're getting much more refined, so they should be able to work toys with buttons, levers, and moving parts. They should be able to do three- to four-piece puzzles, so their visual perceptual skills are really increasing. Um, They should be able to build a
0: power of – Let me ask you about those puzzles. Um, You said three- to four-piece puzzles, and Mm -hmm. I know there's different kinds of puzzles um yeah. so is this like an interlocking puzzle where the yes. pieces go together to create one shape or were all right. the pieces just would, separate?
1: Right. At this at this age it would it depends. Um, if it's an easy puzzle where it's three to four and they can create one shape, but, and it's not as interlocking but more of like next two, they should be able to do that. Um, they mm-hmm. should even be able to negotiate some interlocking pieces as well at this stage, and for sure they should have mastered being able to put like a circle into a circle, a square into a square, or um, shapes that are very obvious, being able to put those shapes where they go for sure. Okay. Okay. They should be able to also build towers and start building. So now that they're using those two hands together will be called bilateral integration. They should be really doing very well with that um, so that they're stabilizing with one hand and working with another.
0: And mm-hmm. they
1: should be able to climb well, run easily. They should even try to start pedaling a tricycle. So they're really getting a very good idea of what their body can do, and it's just becoming more and more advanced.
0: Hmm. Okay, great. Um now how about the next milestone um period maybe around the age of 4 what would we want to see children doing motorically so and So at the top
1: of 4 years old now they're really refining so they can throw they can catch they can kick this is when parents will often sign their kids up for some you know soccer and baseball and all of all of those group sports uh they should be able to hold markers with a what we call a tri tripod grasp and that is a mature grasp that you see used on writing implements and they should
0: can you you describe what those fingers would look like in that tripod grasp
1: so if you if you take your um your middle finger your index finger and your thumb and you touch your index finger and your thumb and your middle finger to your thumb that makes a tripod grasp and that's where the writing implement should be able to sit and we call that the radial side of the hand that tripod side of the hand are working side, and the ulnar side, which is your pinky, uh, th- th- those two fingers are more of your ulnar side, and they should just kind of go along for the ride. They should be really, mm-hmm. have some good stabilization against your palm, so okay. that you're really starting to have a really good working side of the hand going at this age, for sure. And so okay. now they're starting to write their names, and they're starting to write letters um, and experiment with them. They, they may not be perfect, but they're, they're having a lot more interest because they have more mastery over those fine motor skills. Okay. Um, and they should be able to dress and undress without assistance at this age, believe it or not. <laughs> Maybe they don't want to, but they should be able to. Um, and they should have a great imagination, be very creative, have some really good concentration and some good self-control. Okay, great. Yeah.
0: Great. Um... So that gives, I think, parents um, – and, w- and how about with five-year-olds? Would there be – what would some of the uh, differences with five-year-olds be?
1: So with five, just like four and three, it just builds on that. So everything should just get more refined. They should be able mm-hmm. to be doing even more. They should be a little bit more social beings. So now they've got friends, although this should be happening around age three and up. Um, and they're able to multitask, lots of pretend play, able to use tools really well like scissors and they can build sometimes with legos things that are interlocking they should be able to do a lot better with puzzles and they should really be able to run and have a great what we call projective action sequences they can multitask their body in many different ways they can run they can stop they can run downstairs they can get on a scooter so now they're just much more well refined movements and they should be about age five is when you would see that and it even earlier so. Okay, great. And more um, so, sorry. And and they would be more independent, so they should be able to totally eat by themselves. They should have been doing this for a while. Get dressed, no problem. Uh, some five-year-olds are even able to bathe themselves. I mean, with obviously with some provision. So they're really becoming very independent
0: at age five. Okay, super, super. So you just talked about what we should see in children at these different age stages. And um, so hopefully everything is going along wonderfully, but what if a parent has a suspicion that maybe they're not on par, they're not where they should be for their chronological age? Well, what do you recommend that parents do?
1: I would say the first thing a parent should do is talk to their pediatrician um, and, and express their their worries um if a child is preschool age, then they can also talk to the preschool teacher to see if the child might be struggling in class. And the struggling that they may see might be in these areas of fine motor, gross motor, social, emotional types of um, behaviors. If they're not seeing their child um, being able to, to – Conquer these developmental milestones. Then it's absolutely something that they should bring up sooner. Is always better than later because when they're younger mm-hmm. is when they're most what we call malleable, and neurologically it's easier to to work with children as they when they're younger, um, and they're and they're uh, it's a little bit harder as they get older only because their neuropathways are kind of set. Although I truly think you can work with children through the lifespan. It's just always better to get get it younger.
0: Right, right. That makes good sense. Okay. So they'd be going to their, <clears throat> excuse me, their pediatrician or their teacher first, who would then ultimately refer them to the expert in these areas, which is really um, the occupational therapist. Exactly. Yes, for sure. Okay, super. All right. So let's, um, I like to ask my guests to talk about um, things that will really help families and talk to us about their favorite um, maybe secrets, or the favorite mm-hmm. advice that they give to families. So can you tell us about your top five favorite facts for families that um, they can do, that parents and caregivers can do to foster a good motor sensory development in their children?
1: Absolutely. And I think these five things that I'm about to talk about are something I talk about on a daily basis. So they come very <laughs> very easily for me. But um, I would say number one, most important thing would be no screen time Or as limited as possible Because when I say no I know there will probably be some So I'd rather say none um,
0: so when I, And I by talk screens about screen time, you mean yeah. TVs and video um, games and technology When I talk about screen time
1: Video games, television um, iPad, iPod um, anything that has a screen, because children should be interacting motorically within their environments and not sedentary and passive, especially especially at, any, at their developmentally young ages. Um, the most important thing for development is motor experiences. And the only way that your development becomes refined is if you are doing. So when you're just sitting passively, it's actually a detriment to development, and I think at any, at any level. Um, so that would be number one.
0: Okay, um, so we want them moving. We want them active, not sitting about and and being still. We we want them moving.
1: Exactly, and. Even if their the movement is fine wise or is imaginative, we want them truly just interacting within their environment, so they could be coloring and drawing and pretending and building things, and that 's fantastic. But when you are just looking at a screen which is very two dimensional and you 're not and the interaction is not. Motoric, it's just visual. Then that can, that could actually be a detriment. So there's a lot of studies that have come out that have shown that screen time actually can cause hyperactivity in children because it actually visually is a stimulant. So after they've mm-hmm. sat for hours doing their uh, watching television or playing on their iPads or DSs, then they are having even a harder time concentrating at all during the day. So. It's pretty. It's 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 really something to stay away from for young children. There, there's um, something
0: that you said. I think that um, was really. I think brilliant. You said even if they're being imaginative, so yes. using their brains and being creative. So even if they're essentially, if you're on the train or in the car and they're just thinking and looking yes. out the window, that that's yeah. their mind is being active. Um,
1: exactly. Or if you're so playing some of those car games.
0: Staring. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, as staring as at a screen. <laughs>
1: Exactly. So, you know, it doesn't mean that they are constantly having to be taken to the park constantly, although I think that's great. Um, but <laughs> they are just uh, interacting within their environment. So they could be building. They could have a store. They are pretending. They're being social. They're interacting. And mm-hmm. um, and exactly, the brain is, is actually working. Um, so that would be my number one. Uh, number okay. two. I would say, especially when children are very young, no containers. So children should not be put in bouncy seats for hours or strollers for hours. They, again, should be moving. And when they're babies, they, you know, we often talk about how you need to, of course, put your child on their back to sleep because of the danger of SIDS, which is true, all true. However, when they're at playtime and you're watching them, Getting them in all different body orientations as babies is extremely important. So even as babies, putting them on your own stomach, with on their stomach, on yours, making sure, of course, that they're breathing, um, putting them... In, for, on a boppy over a boppy on their tummies so the, and even putting on, them on their sides. So they're getting all different orientation of movement. It's extremely important for their development and I think that very often we hear about the importance of being on the backs and it is important of course when sleeping but it doesn't mean that they always have to be put on their backs especially when they're in playtime and you are watching them. So I would say that the different orientations of movement are very very important. Uh, For children
0: okay super
1: okay and then number three uh, I say provide sensory experiences so when I talk about sensory experiences I think that parents should whenever possible have their infants on different surfaces that are hard soft cold warm provide them with textured toys and noises they should be able to, toddlers, especially and, and babies, should be able to explore a sensory-rich environment. So we're talking about finger paint and play-doh and shaving cream and, and water and beans, um, of course, always being supervised, because we don't want anything going in the mouth. but they mm-hmm. should be able to run and walk on different terrain, sand, grass, mud. And the more sensory feedback we give our children, I truly feel the better body awareness. The more pretend that they do, they use their language, and the, their attention will develop because the environment's written mm-hmm. Great. okay, so number four, big one is play, lots of play. children should always play, um, so infants love peekaboo they like finding a, a hidden object, um, have them visually track and find objects within the environment, so they have a good sense again of who they are and then what 's out there, what we call our internal, like we were talking about, and our external environment. Play, love, pretends, and silliness, and so that's always really important. Obstacle courses and cooking and using lots of language and movement around play is really, really important. I just can't stress enough the importance of play. The really getting, getting in there and using your imagination is really important. And then fifth and final would be move. So the best way to foster motor development in children is to have them move, so exercising, moving, sensory experiencing, using fine motor exploration, all of the movement all nourishes the brain. Brain really needs the movement and experience to develop. And So, okay,
0: so maybe some dancing and just
1: yes, rolling and kicking and, a ball and, around. Exactly. So really getting out there and, and moving and engaging. Um, I'm not saying that. Kids don't need some downtime, but I truly feel like the more a child interacts within their environment through movement, the more their brain gets nourished, thereby better developed. And it also helps with attention when they need to attend. So when they're getting school-aged, the more movement they can have gives them better attention for when they have to sit and learn for however many hours or minutes that they have to do
0: as they get older. Right, right. Okay, well Karen, thank you so much. This was really informative and very helpful and I think some nice takeaways um, for parents. And um, so before we go, is there, um, can you tell us a little bit about or just contact information for your practice if uh, people in the greater New York area were interested or if parents elsewhere had questions, how could they contact you or um, oh, absolutely. find your, well, your practice?
1: Absolutely. This has been an absolute pleasure. I love talking about child development. <laughs> so, uh, but any t- and I, I, I would love any questions anybody may have or th- what this might have brought up. So feel free to, um, to contact us at uh, www.manhattaneastot.com, and there's uh, an information sheet on that website. That's our website. We're on the Upper East Side um, in Manhattan. And you can also call us at 212-410-4000 and just anytime any questions whatsoever we'd be happy to answer Um, and also if you have any questions via email you can always email me at k after the k is an underscore then katzman k-a-t-z-m-a-n at yahoo.com and i look forward to it
0: great and so just so the audience knows I have Karen's website on the description for the show on the show's website, so you could always go there too. And um, as always, if you have questions that you'd like us to address on the show, you can email us at info at zcom That's info at zcom We thank you so much for listening in. We hope this was helpful. And everybody have a great day. See you soon.